Welcome. This is Birth, baby. Your hosts are Sierra Morgan and Samantha Kelly. Sierra is a birth doula, hypnobirthing educator, and pediatric sleep consultant. Samantha is a birth doula, childbirth educator, and lactation counselor. Join us as we guide you through your options for your pregnancy, birth, and postpartum journey. It's common when people have a looming induction or find out they may need a cesarean that they wonder how a doula can still be of use, especially if they've already hired their doula. Today we'll talk about how a doula serves families that are having births that need a little bit of medical intervention. Samantha, do you want to get us started? Yeah, let's do it. I'm excited to talk about this. I think this is such an important topic for people to know about because birth just doesn't follow a plan. Birth is going to go however it wants to go and having an idea of what can happen when things don't go the way you anticipate, I think is really helpful. So let's start off by talking about how doulas can help with inductions. Inductions are a necessary sometimes part of birth. And so what happens when you have an induction? Are doulas still you know, helpful? Like what, what do we do there? So when there, there's a few ways, I guess, that doulas are kind of um, beneficial during that phase. First is during that planning phase, when you're starting to think through like, hey, my doctor is suggesting that I might need an induction. We can kind of walk with you through all of those questions. We can help you know all of the options, options A, B, C, and so on and so forth. And you know, and kind of asking the questions to suss out, is this a medically necessary induction? Is this a provider preference induction? Or is this a my preference induction? Is this something that you as the parent is wanting? Yeah. And I think that it's really common for people to think that doulas are only useful when you're in labor and they are with you in person. And this is just another way that prenatally your doula can help you figure out even the type of induction that you want, right? Not everybody realizes that there are actually a bunch of different ways to start an induction. And the majority of our local providers start with, let's say, cervical ripening before they do Pitocin because that reduces the risk of cesarean. But not all doctors do that. And if you have a doula, you're going to be able to have that information of if this, then this, if not this, you can go straight to this, that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because there's there's just so many options that you wouldn't necessarily know from your run-of-the-mill childbirth education class or from talking to your provider because it's really not a huge part of their role to educate you on every aspect of an induction. But we go through them all the time, so we, we know. And sometimes it's you know situation-specific. Not everybody's cervix is at the same place it, when – it's time to get an induction and it sounds funny at the same place like i think everyone's cervix is located in generally the same area but i mean may not be as effaced or softened or all of these things so yeah yeah exactly so you know that that kind of pre induction conversations that's a big part of of what we do when we're talking with families about a potential induction and the reality is you know as doulas we you know we know the evidence we know that inductions are sometimes overused and there's there's a lot of things that 
that can go into that. But we also know that sometimes inductions are necessary and sometimes they're wanted and that's okay. It is okay to want an induction and we're totally gonna support that as long as you have all of the information to make that decision, right? I mean, we've had families who have just opted for a 39 week induction because it's just easier for them. That's okay, cool. You know what that's all about? Awesome. Yeah. And sometimes it's because they have another child at home and they don't have family nearby and they need to be able to have their mother-in-law or their sister come in town and take care of their first child while the partner joins them at their birth. So, you know, it, it can be, I know it can be of convenience, but sometimes there are other things that go into play there. So don't worry about anybody judging you. If, if that's something that you guys need for your family, do it. Exactly. Exactly. So what happens when we decide that we're we're doing an induction induction's been scheduled for whatever reason so typically what happens is with you know from the doula point of view we can chat with you you know either when you're on your way to the hospital sometimes or when you're at the hospital and like okay so which induction method are we are we planning on, um, you know, make sure we have all of the information about that. Is there, is there any cervical prep that's going into this induction or are we just going straight to Pitocin or whatever? Um, because inductions, like Sierra said, all inductions are gonna start at a different place. We always wanna, you know, make sure that we're not just gonna be hammering a completely closed cervix with a bunch of Pitocin because that's gonna be uncomfortable and may or may not do a whole lot. Uh, and then, you know, we can talk about some different forms of induction methods along with your provider as well. Um, so we'll, we'll go over, you know, all of those, all of that educational information. And then we're going to talk about what kind of, uh, what kind of comfort measures are you going to use in the beginning of that induction? Uh, I think sometimes a lot of people think that when, when you're being induced, you're going to go in and you're going to start the medication and then labor's going to start and you're going to have a baby within a few hours. And sure, sometimes that happens, but the vast majority of the time, that is not what happens. Inductions oftentimes are going to take days. Um, so we want to have a plan for what are we going to do for those days? Is it going to be hard labor for days? Probably not. There's going to be some buildup just like a regular labor. So what are you going to do? Do you have movies downloaded on your laptop? Do you have your, you know, comfy blankets from home? Do you have snacks? Do you have all these things to make sure that your time in that little hospital room while you're being induced is going to be comfortable and you're not just going to be sitting there thinking about your cervix the whole time because who wants to just sit there and think about their cervix for you know 48 hours that's boring samantha i just had a really funny little flashback as you said this i have to tell a little story about a family that we worked with so we had a family where it was two moms and the non-birthing mom was talking about how she was going to bring, I don't remember, it was PlayStation or Xbox or something to the birth. Nintendo 64. Oh, way the better. Best. Way better. Nintendo 64. I love that you remembered that. And we were like, I don't know when you think you're going to be having time to play Nintendo 64, but I mean, if you want to bring it, you can. And she goes, well, we just don't like to sit around and do nothing. And I was like, well, once you get to the hospital, it's probably not going to be sitting around to do nothing. Well, that mom, the birthing mom, ended up needing to be induced. And we were giving them ideas of things to do. And all of a sudden, the non-birthing mom goes, ha ha. So now I guess my Nintendo 64 isn't so funny now, is it? Not such a silly idea anymore. <laughs> we're like, go ahead and bring it. <laughs> So yes, it's a very slow process in the beginning. And 
you also have to know that I don't care if they tell you to come in at nine o'clock at night or at five in the morning, please just add three hours to when you're even going to get any sort of medication or procedure or whatever it is the way that they're going to be doing it. It, it may not take that long, but just just put it in your brain that it will. Um, and that is another reason that you don't really need your doula there right away. We can be available by phone, but we're all going to be sitting around twiddling our thumbs or playing Nintendo 64. And you really want our us to be at our best when things are getting really active, intense labor. So that is why a doula doesn't typically come at the beginning. Maybe they'll do a little bit of a kind of turndown service where if you're feeling really anxious about you know, going into the hospital, and especially if you were intending an out-of-hospital birth, and now it came up that you need to have an in-hospital induction, that can be really jarring, and sometimes people do need a little bit of extra support, and maybe even though it's emotional support by phone, they just need our presence, and sometimes we do that, a little tuck-in service, and then we go back home, um, but I would say more, more than not, we don't. So what are the things that you would say, Samantha, would change on what they should bring? Like, I know we carry a lot of stuff in our birth bag that we tell our families, you don't need to bring this anymore. But if you're not going to need your doula in person at first, there are some things that you might want to pack on your own. Yeah. So some of those more uh, like environmental things I think can be really really big. You know, when you're rolling into L&D and active labor, you probably don't need, you know, all of the things to make your room look, you know, just the right way because you're in active labor. Like you do not care about the twinkle lights or the, you know, pictures or whatever else is going on. Um, but if you're going in for an induction, you're going to be there for a little bit longer. So having things like the twinkle lights, having some affirmations, uh, you know, having like the diffuser, I think is a big one. Um, that's something that we bring in our bags and it can be kind of, you know, a big old thing for people to bring with you, but you're not going to have us there from the beginning. So bring your own diffuser with your own essential oils or, you know, different things like that, I think can be really big. Yeah. And if you're somebody that doesn't use that at home and you're like, I was looking forward to it in labor, but I don't have a diffuser and oils laying around. You can just go stop at H-E-B. Okay, maybe not everybody here has an H-E-B. I'm sorry for you guys that live outside of Texas and don't have <laughs> H-E-B. We're a little bit weird about how much we love our grocery store. Um, but whatever. It's, it is, it's weird, but we love it. Uh, it's my H-E-B. And they have diffusers and things like that at a lot of grocery stores or swing by a Target. They have Just get the cheapo version. It doesn't have to be anything fancy. Get a couple of basic oils like lavender, mm-hmm. peppermint, um, you know, those are probably the two basic ones. I would say if you're just needing a last minute urgent thing, those would be two great ones, just specifically lavender if you get nothing else. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Having some of those things, having a few changes of clothes, I think can be a really good idea. You know, you have your, your gown that you've planned on delivering in or whatever it is you plan on delivering in, but probably have something else for the beginning because it, like I said, it, it might take some time and you may not want to stay in the same, you know, stinky pajamas the whole time. Um, and then really, I, I mean, if you bring nothing else, bring snacks, y'all. Snacks are so important for inductions because there's like the hospital stuff, right? Like there's the fridge down the hall with the popsicles and jello and whatever else. And then there's the um what are they the vending machines and all that different stuff but you want your snacks from home you want your you know sea salt chocolate caramel from costco and all those different things because 
you're you're going to be there and it's you know it's, you need some comfort during that time so bring in some of those different things i think can be really important um and you know i've said it a million times but inductions can last a while so just be prepared mentally don't don't go in mentally planning to be done that day because unless this is your second third fourth baby you're probably going to be there for a little bit so kind of just expecting that and then being pleasantly surprised if it does go a little bit faster yeah and we need to do a whole nother episode on eating and labor but so you're telling people to bring food for an induction, but they may not be being told they're allowed to eat. Um, in the meantime, please go to evidencebasedbirth.com and look at information about whether or not it's, you know, you're supposed to eat and drink and labor. You really should. And if they're telling you not to, especially early on in an induction, that's just not evidence-based. So you, it's a marathon. Hospital policy is for hospitals, not for patients. Yes, it works well for them, not well for you. And you wouldn't run a marathon without having some sustenance. So um, so let's say you're in an induction and – or maybe you're not. Maybe you're not in an induction. Maybe you just – have been in labor for quite a long time and now you're being told that really you need a cesarean and i will say not all cesareans are emergency cesareans however when you're going through it it feels that way mm -hmm. oftentimes i hear people a lot say i had an emergency cesarean or my sister had an emergency cesarean and i would never take that away from them because i don't want to discredit or or marginalize how they feel but a lot of times it's not. A lot of times it's a talking decision-making process and asking questions. There's plenty of time for that. Um, if you do need a C-section, doulas can help a lot in those situations too, whether it's a planned cesarean from the start without any labor or whether it's in the middle of labor we're 15 hours in and for some reason we need a cesarean. So we can go into the OR with you at a lot of places. There are some hospitals that do not allow um doulas in the or i don't think any of them don't allow, allow a partner in an er i guess there could be an outlier in some random state but for the most part it's pretty known that uh, you know partner can join you in the or now a doula may or may not be able to but um sometimes i've seen that if it's a certified doula that can make a difference although that's just so silly and you can advocate for this. So if you're feeling really anxious about going into the OR and you really want your doula to be able to be there, and it's also very helpful for partners, and we're going to talk about that in a second, talk to your OB, talk to the nurses, ask if you can talk to anesthesia before you guys go back so you can advocate for that. A lot of times they roll the parent, the birthing parent in first to the OR, and then they come back for the partner and or, or and doula, hopefully. Um, and they will kind of get you settled and comfortable in the OR before they bring the partner and the doula in. Some of them do only allow one person though, and then your doula would meet you back in recovery. Um, did I miss anything there, Samantha? No, I don't think so. I mean, I think I think if you have any inkling or you're just chatting with your provider about um, the possibility of a cesarean, it never hurts to bring it up ahead of time, even you know weeks ahead in your prenatals. Just hey, what is the hospital policy on on doulas in the OR? Because they can start those conversations ahead of time. You know, maybe they can start sweet talking the anesthesiologist ahead of time for you. It's a little known fact. It's really anesthesia that has the final call on who gets to be in the OR. So 
if you can get anesthesia on your side, then a lot of times, uh, you know, we, we can get a doula into the OR and then do those different things. And it probably feels weird to be bringing up C-section, even like in OR policies, if that's for sure not what you want. And it may may feel like, um, am I showing a sign of weakness that I'm okay with a cesarean or something? But you can just say, hey, I have heard that in the case that I off case that I would have to have a cesarean that I may or may not be able to have my doula with me. And that would be really important to me and my partner. So um, let's talk about why it's important to have them a doula in there. So when you get back there and once you're comfortable and your partner and or doula is joining you, it's usually pretty quick once the baby comes out. I mean, I would say like five minutes usually, maybe less until the baby is out. Now, there can be a lot of kind of confusion in that time and like what's going on. And there's a lot of people talking, but behind a curtain because you have this curtain in front of your face and your partner is sitting on a stool or something next to you. So you can think like, I can hear them talking. Like, what are they talking about? And yes, you're not supposed to be able to feel pain, but you can still feel tugging and things like that. And that can be a little bit jarring. So having that third person in there that can kind of explain things to you, there's just, you know, in the in the regular birthing room, there is a nurse there that can answer your questions. However, in the OR, the nurse is not next to you. The nurse is down near your belly where the doctor is, and the anesthesiologist is the one that's usually at your head. So they don't 100% know exactly what's going on in surgery all the time. Sometimes they'll be able to tell like, oh, we're almost done based on what they can see, but they don't have a whole lot of information for you. So a doula can kind of explain the process to you and, and explain, you know, oh, we just heard them say X, Y, Z. This is what that means. When the baby comes out, chances are the partner is going to want to go straight over to that little, um, you know, warmer so that when they're checking the baby's heartbeat and all of that, that they can go over there and look at them. Well, as the person that has the baby that is laying on that table and still has their belly open, it can feel kind of lonely if your partner goes over. You want them to be able to do that, to go see your baby, but you're kind of wishing you were over there as well. So having the doula be able to sit next to you while they're over there is nice. Taking Doula can take pictures. Um, when the partner comes back over to tell you how stinking cute your baby is, the doula can go back over to the baby so that nobody, you know the baby's not quote unquote alone without one of your team members. And then the doula can also really help advocate for making sure that they get your baby skin to skin with you in the OR and as soon as possible. So there is no need to do any of those first, you know, footstep or uh, footprints or the, you know, if you're going to do a vitamin K shot, doing the vitamin K shot or weighing the baby, that is so not important. And if you were having that same baby vaginally in a labor and delivery room, they wouldn't be weighing your baby until after at least an hour. They wouldn't be giving your baby those shots. They wouldn't be you know, doing footprints yet. They would just be having you skin to skin. So it's really important even in a cesarean to be skin to skin with your baby. It's helpful and protective for your body, for helping your oxytocin be boosted, to help with bleeding. It's helpful for the baby. It's cold in that room. So being skin to skin with you is important. If for some reason you don't feel like you want to do skin to skin, you can have your partner do skin to skin. I was actually the only person there, uh, The well, I guess not only, her mom was there too, but her partner couldn't be there because he had COVID. And she asked me to do skin to skin with her baby in the OR, which was like the biggest honor ever, but it was because she was shaking a lot and she just didn't feel comfortable and she was really nauseous. So she didn't feel comfortable holding her baby at that time. But we can help talk you through all of those things. 
when you have your belly open on a table, it's really hard to think of what was important to you. And not to say anything necessarily bad about the baby nurses in there, but they're going to keep that baby on the warmer really, unless you say otherwise. They're just going to have it over there. Yeah, it's definitely not like standard of care right now to do a more, we would call it like a family-centered cesarean where we're doing that skin to skin in the OR, in the OR we're doing delayed cord clamping, we're doing all these different things. But with the, you know with the help of a doula there's a lot of options that are available to you for c-sections that you may not necessarily know about before and we can help you know those options and we can help facilitate all those different things too you know you can have your own music in the or you can have you know if, if essential oils have been really calming and helpful for you we can bring those in on a little cotton ball and wave them around for you um, a lot of times I'm grabbing handfuls of the little alcohol wipes and I'm ripping those open so moms can smell those because that helps with nausea and nobody wants to be throwing up when you're laying flat on your back during a surgery. So helping with all those different things and then helping with that, with that skin to skin, getting those pictures, um, of skin to skin in the OR. There's, there's just so many options that are um, you know not necessarily the standard of care and that a lot of people don't know are available to them in the OR. Even at some of the hospitals in town that regularly do you know family-centered c-sections and say that they're uh, you know the standard of care for them, a lot of times if we're not in the OR actively advocating for that, it's not happening. Um, I, I see that happen a lot, especially if it's like a nighttime C-section or something like that. We just, we don't see that skin to skin happening. We don't see, um, you know, baby going to mom right away. They might wrap the baby up and, and you know, never offer to, to do any of that. Or they may not even come over and show baby to mom before they bring them to the warmer. And that's, that's just really hard. Um, so lots of different it options. And I recently had, we had all talked about it, like what they wanted in the OR. They knew exactly what they wanted. The nurses knew what they wanted. Now you got to remember that the baby nurses aren't in there when you're talking to everyone in the labor and delivery room before you go back. So the baby nurses may not quite know what you wanted. Well, I was standing next to mom. The baby had come out and the dad went and looked at the baby and was, you know, oogling over her because she was stinking cute. And then the um, baby nurse goes, do you want me to just give her all of her shots and everything since we're already over here? And the dad was like, that's probably fine. We were fine with the shots. And I looked over and I was like, no, like we don't want anything to get between, especially if the mom wants to breastfeed, anything to get between that that connection. Um, there's no reason to be giving that so soon. There, it's literally not going to make a difference. So I, I had to kind of go, no, wait, remember, <laughs> we, we weren't going to do that. And they're like, well, do you want us to just do the footprints and wait real quick? It'll just take like a second. And I was like, no. And it's just because that's their checking of the boxes. It's not that they're trying to be mean. They're just trying to get their job done. And it's more convenient for them to do it now because otherwise they have to remember to come back and do it later. So you in the moment, it's just really hard to remember what you had agreed to or what you wanted. Yeah, absolutely. And that skin to skin in the first hour is so extremely important for mom and for baby and for breastfeeding, especially when it comes to a C-section, because your hormones have have kind of just taken like a different a different route. Right. So things are moving a little bit differently. 
Um, and so we need the, the restart of that oxytocin by bringing baby skin to skin and, you know, starting off that breastfeeding in, in the right way. You do not have to sit there and breastfeed in the OR, but doing that skin to skin and allowing baby to kind of move around and stimulate the breast just by being there is really, really important to, uh, to facilitate a, you know, successful and positive breastfeeding journey um, for, for everybody. Absolutely. And so that kind of goes to what happens next, right? After that cesarean. So if also, if the baby for some reason needed to go to NICU, the, your partner can go with your baby, go follow your baby to NICU with them. And then your doula is getting to stay in with you. Now, something to think about too, is if you have a doula and your doula is not allowed in the OR, if your partner comes out with that baby to go to NICU, your doula should be able to go in and be with you for the rest of the time because it's not quick. I told you it's real quick for the baby to come out, but it's not very quick to have the baby or to have your belly sewn back together. They have a lot of layers to go through, a lot of suturing to do. So it does take a while. I would dare to say 45 minutes to an hour is fairly normal and you don't want them to rush through that part. <laughs> They're doing a really good job closing you up, but it can be overwhelming to sit there. So having a doula to talk to or to play music or whatever is really helpful. And I've had that situation and dad is texting me pictures from the NICU. And so mom can see them and I'm showing those pictures to mom and that's helping her oxytocin too, to be able to see these photos of her baby. So that can be really special. So once you move over to recovery and it looks different at different places, sometimes that's this little kind of triage looking area where it's just curtains between uh, people that have just had a cesarean, or it could be that you go back to your room, especially if you were laboring already and then had a cesarean. Sometimes you'll go back and recover in your room, but that recovery process is about two hours or what they consider recovery is two hours. Your doula can be with you in there, helping you get a latch, uh, you know, helping breastfeeding, helping with comfort after a C-section with positioning and things like that, and helping you process what just happened. Maybe that wasn't something that you anticipated. Um, maybe it is something that you knew you were going in for a root, you know, planned cesarean, and now you're, you thought you were okay with it, and now you don't feel okay with it. So they can really help talk through those things. Um, that can just be really comforting. So we stay, you know, one to two hours post-birth usually, but with a cesarean, it's usually two. Yeah, absolutely. And sometimes figuring out some of those different like breastfeeding positions that might be more comfortable when you have an incision that's healing, um, some of those different things like that. I mean, there's, there's just really no end to what we can do. A lot of times what we end up doing is I, I help baby get latched on and then I'm going to go back to the labor and delivery room and I'm going to gather up all the stuff that we left in there when we were, you know, running down to the OR and so that dad doesn't have to leave, you know, baby and his partner. Um, or, you know, maybe I'm grabbing food or ice chips or whatever else. There's just, there's no limit really on what we what we can do it's a catch-all yeah pretty much we're here for here for you here for all your needs so that's a little bit about what um what c-section recovery looks like like we said typically you're in that c-section recovery phase for about two hours and then you roll down to postpartum um sometimes we'll walk with you depending on what's going on or sometimes we'll you know wave goodbye as you're rolling down 
Um, again, we're, you know, most doulas, we're going to be really flexible on what makes sense for you and your family in that moment, because what one family me needs may not be what you and your family needs in those moments. So, um, and then from there, we can help a lot in the recovery phase as well. There's a lot of things that, um, you know, that we can help with as far as, you know, referrals and different ideas on things to make life a little bit easier for you. Uh, one of my one of my clients a few years ago had a unplanned cesarean, and uh, as we were sitting in recovery afterwards, she was like, "Well, I just realized the bassinet that I was planning on my baby sleeping in was just a pack and play, and I don't think that I'm going to be able to get out of bed, you know, five times a night or whatever it is to take care of my baby in this pack and play." So. I don't know, what do I do? And I say, oh, well, you know, have you thought about this bassinet? And she's like, oh yeah, that, that, that would probably be good. And I got on Facebook Marketplace and found a bassinet for her. <laughs> so that sometimes it's stuff like that, just brainstorming, oh, okay, so this happened, what ways can we make life a little bit easier? Um, for another client, they wanted to do vaginal seeding after they had their baby. And so we were, I was kind of just there to remind them, hey, you you wanted to to do that. So probably go ahead and and grab those uh those little pieces of gauze. And vaginal seeding for anybody who doesn't know what that is, is uh basically just exposing the baby to the vaginal microbiome of the mother. Um kind of artificially basically. So you would use like sterile gauze to um, to kind of wipe some of your vaginal fluid and then you would use that vaginal fluid to wipe the baby after a cesarean delivery. Um, so there's that's sometimes an option that parents choose to pursue. So, uh, you know, I was helping a little bit with, with that. Um, and yeah, and then, you know, things like pelvic floor, therapy after C-sections. I don't think a lot of people know that that's a thing or that it's uh, necessary, but it actually can be really beneficial after you have a C-section because there's so much, you know, so many different things that happened um, in your pelvic floor, whether you were pushing or whether it's just the swelling from that surgery that's putting pressure on your pelvic floor. So being able to see a pelvic floor therapist and work with some of that, um, you know, the scar massage so that um, so that the scar will heal better. And so you're more likely to be able to have a um, vaginal birth after cesarean for your second delivery. I almost always tell people after their cesarean, I'm like, go follow Ladybird PT on Instagram because she has so many great post C-section recovery reels and all of this like she talks about breathing and massaging your belly and all of these things posture it's so cool she's just a wealth of knowledge and it's so wonderful that she puts all of that information out there for free it's like i don't know it's kind of like this podcast it's how we give back and you know donating time or something and i guess that's the way that she does it i i love that so much so yeah. sometimes we have people who planned an out of hospital birth and they are now having to transfer to a hospital. So maybe you're having a birth center birth or maybe you're at a home birth and whether it's, you know, there are a couple of different transfer situations. You could one, transfer out before you ever um, go into labor, which that would not change the role of your doula at all. You guys kind of know how that works. As far as if you transfer during labor while you're still pregnant, then, you know, your doula comes with you. 
So we can help with packing up a bag, getting those things together, making sure we throw your charger in the hospital bag. Hopefully you have some sort of emergency go bag just so that you don't have to make all of those decisions and like, crap, where is all of this stuff last minute? But we come with you. We usually drive separately so that we can go home from there and your partner will drive you. Uh, A lot of times midwives from a home birth will also transfer with you. That's something to talk to your providers about beforehand. So, you know, you should be talking about all of the options and ask them, is that something that you do? Sometimes hospitals will only allow one either doula or midwife. And so you're going to need to decide who you want to come with you. I have had it where sometimes the midwife will transfer. I kind of stay behind for just a second, or maybe I'll run and go through a drive through and get some food real quick. And the midwife does all of the intake stuff so that it's a seamless transition with them giving the medical information. And then we kind of tap out and she leaves and I come in so that I can take over the comfort and all of those things at the hospital. So either way, somebody's transferring with you when you go, they should. Um, I guess ask your doula, but I think that's pretty standard that we would transfer with you. With a with the birth center birth, I have seen also those midwives transfer, but I think that it's less likely that they do because they only have you know a certain person. They have many people that could be coming into labor. There could be somebody else in labor, so usually it's your doula that's going to go with you there. Um, and then if it's postpartum, so let's say there's a bleeding issue or something after your baby is born, then you know, your partner would stay with your baby and drive your baby over there. And then you would likely go in an ambulance. I'm sorry. Well, it doesn't have to be an ambulance, but a lot of times it would be um, as postpartum. And from a home birth, usually you just like hop in a car. A lot of times with a birth center, you hop in a car if it's during pregnancy. But postpartum, you, your body has gone through a lot and usually an ambulance will do the transfer. Um, but ask your midwife what they do in those situations. Ask them all of the what ifs because they're going to have that location specific information of what hospital to go to and all of those things. And again, your doula comes with you. So what did I miss there, Samantha? It's kind of straightforward. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty straightforward. I mean, I think that one of the reasons, I mean, a lot of times when we're when we're talking about home births or birth center births, you almost it, it almost feels like doulas are sometimes not as necessary because you have this midwife who's caring for you and they do a lot of the, you know, educational and comfort measures and emotional support as well. Um, you know, it's not quite the same because they're, you know, still medical professionals and it can, you know, it's very different. But I really feel like doulas in as a, as a plan for a transfer is important because you just don't know what's going on. And you've, you know, imagined this birth, you've planned for this birth, maybe you've even, you know, labored and, and gone through all of this and then everything changes and you're, you're having to go deliver in a hospital. Um, and that shift from, you know, home or birth center to hospital can be really jarring for a lot of people. So having your doula with you to be able to, you know, keep that same vibe going as much as possible uh, to, you know, have that continuous support that you've had along with you during pregnancy and still there with you at the hospital is just, it's so vitally important. Um, I I don't, I don't feel like I can stress that enough. Like just how, just knowing that this person who has been your person throughout your pregnancy and birth is going to continue caring for you no matter what happens 
is I feel like really calming for people and just massively beneficial. Yeah. And I also want to remind people that oftentimes a transfer from a birth center or home birth is not emergent. It's oftentimes Mm -hmm. just kind of a relaxed, chill thing. That's why I said not usually an ambulance that's needed unless it is an emergency transfer. Also remember that your midwife, once they get to the hospital, unless they have hospital privileges, which is very rare here in Austin, um, but I think all over the place is fairly rare for a home birth midwife or a birth center midwife to have that. There are midwives that work in hospital that would, but that's not the same thing. That's not who your midwife was. A lot of times, once they get to the hospital, they're basically a doula. Um, Mm -hmm. They don't have any ability to do anything medical anymore. They have to get out of that role because they don't have privileges there. So I think it's another really important thing to ask your midwife is if they transfer with you, how long do they stay? Because Mm -hmm. I did have a home birth transfer with a family that I had been with that um, the midwife said that she would go. And I was like, okay. like, And I felt really weird about it, but it's not about me. And I told the mom, like, you guys decide. You do what you want to do. If you want her to go, I totally understand because of the continuum of care with the being able to tell everybody what's going on and give this, you know, the medical end of it. But I found out after the baby was born that the midwife got there, did all of the everything. They got an epidural, which is what they went for because she needed Pitocin. Um, Her body just was not – kicking over the way that it needed to. And the midwife left and said, I'm going to go home and sleep. Call me when it's time to push. Well, she didn't give any more what ifs. And Mm -hmm. the family ended up needing to go into a cesarean a few hours later. And Mm -hmm. they didn't call her because it wasn't time to push. And so they were alone through their cesarean. And I say alone because they were completely not knowing what was going on. They didn't know the questions to ask. This was uncharted territory that they hadn't even considered. Even though we made a plan for a cesarean or like, you know, hospital transfer, when it all happens, you don't know what's going on. And so I found out afterward that that happened and I was just crushed. I was like, I wish you would have called me. (laughs) I would have gone back up there. I don't care that I had one hour of sleep. I would have gone back up. So ask them those what ifs. It's not rude to do so. It's just planning. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's, yeah. I mean, and you you just, you just don't know. And hopefully, you know, in those situations when that's happening, us as your doulas are also, you know, communicating with the midwife and having some conversations there, but that's not how everybody works. And, you know, so in the long run, we just want to make sure that you as the parents have the support that you need, no matter what. If your midwife is going to go with you and they're going to, you know, take over the role as doula, awesome. If that is who you want there, awesome. I had a transfer recently where that did happen. We had the midwife went um, and we, we all went actually and the midwife went and they decided they were going to go in for a cesarean and the midwife said, you know, okay, do you want Samantha or do you want me to come in with you for the cesarean? They said, hey, I, I think I'd like you to come in because they've been with this midwife for their whole pregnancy. Um, and so their midwife went in and she stayed with them postpartum for a few hours and did all of that. And it was it was exactly what they needed. And then I was able to come back and, you know, a week later and chat with them about, you know, how everything happened. And um, that was really healing. But I think, you know, there's just, there's so many situations. Um, And in the long run, we just all, as your care team, we just want to make sure that 
you are getting the support that you need. Yeah, definitely. Well, I think this is a really good thing to figure out what in the world happens when it goes off the rails a little bit and your uh, how does a doula still help you so i hope that this was helpful for y'all and i hope you join us next week when we talk to a dad who used us as their doula with him and his wife and it's going to be our little father's day special so we're really excited to bring that to you guys have a great week thanks for joining us on this episode of birth baby Be sure to tune in next week as we talk to Jordan DeBona about his birth experience with us and kind of how that went down. Thanks again to Longing for Orpheus for our music. Make sure you look him up on Spotify. Remember to leave a review, share, and follow wherever you get your podcasts. See you next week.